You're listening to Soccer Report Extra with Bobby McMahon and Owen O'Callaghan. Welcome to this week's edition of the Soccer Report Extra podcast. I'm Bobby McMahon. Producer Luke Crawford is at the controls, and the man who is out of control is Owen O'Callaghan. Out of control. That's probably the nicest way that anyone's described me. <laughs> this week. This week. <laughs> yes, quick, don't let my wife hear you. Yeah, so one thing that is under, is under control is uh, the destination of the Premier League Championship for 2018. Bit of a shocker. It was, if you can I mean, call a thirteen-point lead going into the weekend, you know, turning that into a shocker. After I picked my jaw up off the ground, um, you know, I got to 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 analyse this a little bit, and we can clearly state that in terms of surprises, this is right up there. <laughs> it's right up there with Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah certainly. Barcelona, Roma, but what, what, you know, it, 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 this one seems to get passed by as well. But West Brom. Um, although it seems somewhat inevitable, saved themselves from, I think, relegation as well, didn't they, with that win? Well, yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those, uh, because West Brom are so doomed and their season has been so pathetic uh, that they played with a degree of kind of, uh, I'm not going to say freedom, but they certainly looked like a, a different proposition. They were a little bit more calm and they were a little bit more composed. Obviously, they spent so much of the game um, and they didn't have Alan Pardew no they, no, they <laughs> bizarrely <laughs> enough yeah Darren Moore um, who uh, I mean we pro- He's, who has got bigger over the years hasn't he yes yes uh, it, the proverbial brick shithouse wow is he big again that's probably the, the nicest way anyone's ever described him um, but yeah but they used to you know to go around him centre forwards used to treat him as a roundabout yeah goodness I mean you, you even go back uh, when he was playing at West Brom and yeah I mean probably you know a a considerable unit Oh, he was. It's probably it's probably, uh, yeah. probably polite way of it's probably polite way. Well, he came from lower leagues, didn't he? Was it? Uh, yeah. I can't remember. Luke, Luke will probably take take up his CV at the end of the show. But Another one that actually actually came up the hard way. Yeah, correct, absolutely. So he was well used to it, and and it was uh, there was an element of that from West Brom. Actually, there was an element of that sort of steely determination, grit, roll up your sleeves, and and get the job done. And it was a bit of smash and grab, yeah. but uh, largely to do with United being so unimpressive. But we're kind of veering away from the uh, celebratory. Yes, tone. from the Manchester yeah, Manchester City were rather good against Spurs, weren't they? Uh, yes, and uh, particularly in the context of the horrors that they had experienced uh, just before this and in advance of this game, I think everybody felt that this was another potential banana skin and would they actually show their worth? And obviously we had heard so much about how how scarring the Manchester derby was going to be on them. Um, and they came out and were really, really clinical. And but when you when you come down to it and you kind of you 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 follow that logic of they've lost three games so they're gonna you know they're likely to lose the fourth, but the the other side of that pendulum is very much of you've got a thirteen point lead. Oh yeah, go out guys and enjoy yourself. Yeah, and you know when when City are playing that kind of way, um, and it's always you know pulling the strings and the Brunus pulling the strings and and. You know things are happening. They're, a, they're an incredibly powerful attacking team, uh, and especially when uh, you know Spurs. This is probably the most surprising thing. Lots Spurs really had trouble getting close to them, and when they did get close to them, City had the confidence to play themselves 
through trouble and out of, out of trouble and then through trouble. Yeah, I think you, you you make an interesting point that you know in you're following on from from the Liverpool game midweek. Um, where they were chasing things and and they were probably in a very unfamiliar position where where they had to go out from from the get go and and probably be a lot more frenzied and a lot more out of control than than they than they tend to be. Um, yeah. you, you just you just you just hint at that where Guardiola can get them together and say, do you know what, Champions League is is done now. You can actually get back to 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 your true selves. And that's really been the the principle of Guardiola, hasn't it? For forever and ever is is that here we have an actual way of doing things that and, and that we trust and that we believe in, and we don't actually deviate from it. And if you if you're if you're completely bought into how we operate, well then we're going to be okay. And there was an element of that against Tottenham. There wasn't that same sense of of frenetic stuff that we've seen over the last while. It was that sort of level of of composure and that kind of natural approach to the game. De Bruyne, as you mentioned, um, you know, was was really putting the strings. It, it seemed pretty effortless. And you got the feeling, even from early doors, that it was a matter of time before they were going to pick Tottenham apart. Um, and yeah. and, and it, it, it actually seemed a little bit that Tottenham were expecting City to be sluggish. Um, and, and, and in actual fact, City were very, very dominant and very, very comfortable. I think that the way the City started was was so slick that Tottenham then, from that from the get-go, just just really, really struggled to impose themselves on Harry Kane really was 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 largely anonymous. They dealt with a Deli Alley as well. But he still got the goal, didn't he? <laughs> did he? Did he not get all four of them in the game? <laughs> so, uh, so that's cheap, cheap Harry Harry Kane humour. But the Ericsson goal um, just before half time probably gave Spurs a little bit more more hope than they possibly deserved at that point going in at half time because. Once again, if you're looking at this being um, looked through a lens of sight of of psychology, um, here's Manchester City, you know, playing some terrific football, particularly in the first half. Probably should have scored more than two goals, and then find themselves only a goal up as Ericsson you know, breaks through, gets a bit of a lucky, lucky bounce off the knee, but goes in, and suddenly, you know, here we'd go. Perhaps you know, Manchester City could have could have been uh, inclined to think oh my god it's going against us again but it really uh, didn't make much of a difference and I think as well even the the nature of the goal you know it was a, a horrible ugly ricochet and I think that, that that does fuel you kind of walking in at half time particularly thinking against you everything is kind of collapsing yeah. here around us um, this is just not supposed to happen this way um, but like that I think you know you could tell a lot by by the celebrations at at the end of the game, actually, and not that I'm I'm a type of person to dwell on those details, but I I found it um, that the fact that you know Guardiola's body language, his demeanour with his players, I think it was a, a reaction to the way that they had played in the game and the way that they had, um, you know, obviously recovered from from a couple of setbacks, but recovered by just reverting to the standard um, approach that they've had all season, which which really. That's that's ultimately the biggest thing that Guardiola will, will will look to. That the easiest thing to do that you know in times of um, you know when when there has been a setback is you is you kind of you know go direct and you change your approach and all that sort of stuff and and you forget your kind of your true DNA, which is uh, which is exactly 
what what didn't happen against Tottenham or Manchester City where here here is how we go about games we dictate things here is our approach and we're going to stick to it and I think that's really um what uh, what 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 tapped into why Guardiola was so was so happy and, and so effusive at the full time whistle as well so so if you look at um you look at particularly you know the fact that Liverpool have been them three times this season the first game mm-hmm. uh, was um, influenced I think by Manny sending off um, what's your sense on of the other teams looking at this going and say okay Manchester City have set the standards they're on was it something like oh, ridiculous number of points was it 87 points or something they are on, they're on just now 87 yeah yeah, um, they could have a, they've got a good run at uh, Chelsea's record, which I believe is 95. They could set a record for goal differential, and they could easily sell sell um, easily um, set a new mark for goals scored in the season as well. So I, I I think they've got that to keep on playing for. So there is some some incentive. Um, but looking back at that that Liverpool performance, is there are other teams going to look at that and say? You know, we've got to play like that. We've got to play like Liverpool and take the game to Manchester City, as opposed to sitting back and and um, and waiting them, waiting for them to, to sort of break us down and hope that they have a bad day in, in front of in front of goal. Is or are, are, are you going to see as a combination of that and teams going out and spending more money to try and keep up with Manchester City? Well, I think that if you look at the teams around City and you look at how the season has played out. The only other club that will finish this season and think to themselves that it's been a a, a positive, a successful campaign is Liverpool. There is a, a kind of an upward trajectory. There's a, a positive atmosphere. Um, how do you how do you think do you think that's going to play out if should they come a cropper against Roma though? I think I still think so. I I, I think yeah. that um, firstly you know even talking to mates of mine who support Liverpool, one of the key things is they're, they're not entering into that Roma clash with any degree of overconfidence, or they're they're not kind of marching into it and thinking that you know we're going to walk our way to a Champions League final. There's a kind of a a, a bit of a humility here, and and I still think that they feel um, under Klopp. This has been, I and I and I think the defining thing ab- about why they feel that way is that Manchester City have have taken everybody apart so easy, easily, except for Liverpool, and that Liverpool mm-hmm. possess this kind of I don't know li- a little bit of a superpower where where everyone else is is struggling. <laughs> Liverpool have this thing that they can kind of revert to and 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 they can use it as something to to point to and say, yeah, listen, we've got you know a, you know in terms of a, a head to head with the best team in the league, we kind of got a number on them. And if um if even if things don't go according to plan in the Champions League, we've still got a really terrific season under our belts. Everyone's kind of feeling good. Klopp is feeling good. We've we've unearthed an absolute gem in someone like Mo Salah. We've got a really uh, terrific uh, you know, way of playing, uh, particularly going forward. We seem to have cracked things defensively. Maybe a couple more midfield acquisitions to flesh things out in the summertime would be fantastic. And we're, we're kind of uh, feeling a way out. We're in a, we're in a good spot. Um, I think the other teams around that I mean, if you're Manchester United, again, the weekend so un- underwhelming. Tottenham kind of really staying put. And then obviously Chelsea and Arsenal completely regressed. So, I mean, uh, the, the thing is, that the, the, heading into next season, looking f- further ahead, Liverpool are the team that certainly your eyes will go to um, as as a, as certainly the, the best bet to, to try and close a gap a little bit. Um, but, but, here, but here's, the, here's, here's, here's my kind of play the devil's advocate a sure. little bit on this. 
you know, look at the Liverpool, the three wins, the four-three win. Yeah. Right. There was goals came, short spell. You know, I think it was one-one right after half time. Suddenly it was four-one. You know, it was it, it moved very quickly. Yeah. City came back four-three, but it was that boom, boom, boom. You go at the the game at Anfield in Champions League, three quick goals again. Mm. Now the goals in the return at Etihad didn't come necessarily quite as quickly. You know, there was, there was that the Salah goal, yeah. and then the, the, I think I think you could look at the Salah goal and say that knocked the stuffing a little bit of Manchester City. But I think really what knocked the stuffing out of them was Leroy Sani's goal getting disallowed. Yeah, it, when it happened, it was I think there was a clear demarcation line between that performance in the first half and the second half and Salah was kind of just capped that with the goal and then uh, Firmino scored the winner but um, like, is, is that really is that really a soft spot for City or is that just Liverpool kind of capturing lightning in a bottle being a hit, able to hit them because I, w- I, would, I would contend over these three games there was still large parts of it where Manchester City could have scored a bottle yeah. load of goals. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And I think there are other caveats as well. That I mean, you look at Liverpool's season, particularly uh, in terms of the individual performances. So you look at Mo Salah, you think, right, what's the likelihood of Salah next season being as good and as fresh and as surprising? Um, you know, possibly defences next next term would be a little bit more uh, in line with uh, with keeping him a little bit more quiet. Um, the same goes for for their well, yeah, yeah, that's exactly that's that sorry, and that's exactly what I think all teams that are successful have to watch mm-hmm. against is there becomes a target on their back, and players begin to you know the great players can rise above that. And Salah, I think, in terms of his close control and his coolness in front of goal, shows all the um, all the attributes you'd kind of look at as a player who's going to continue to, to to be very very effective. But you have got these other teams and these defenders working out how they're going to stop, you know, whether it be Manchester City or Liverpool or Salah or whatever is next year. And lots of them will, will spend time during the summer, so you know it does open up the opportunity for somebody else to come up. But I would agree. I'm, I'm not sure there's anybody else that sits out there that's that's shown that capacity to, to be able to do that. Um, the other thing I think we've got to take in consideration here is um, how many of these players are going to go to the World mm-hmm. Cup uh, across the, the top teams in the Premier League. How many of these teams are go- how many of these countries are going to go deep into the World Cup, and how many players are going to come come back absolutely knackered because we've seen that time and time again the difference a World Cup year can make to the performance of individual players and the knock-on effect uh, to teams. Yeah, completely. And But, but uh, you know, I, I think that, that as well, uh, going by, you know, this season and, and, and particularly um, performances of late, I mean, Liverpool could, could easily finish the, the season as runners-up. And depending on Manchester City's mindset, um, you would think that they will... Retain a, a very high level of professionalism, and and probably now try and seek the records and try and 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 you know rack up uh, the goals and rack up the points. I mean, Liverpool could could finish as runners up, and you look at a runners up in in a in a in a title race, and potentially a Champions League final appearance. I mean, in terms of of this club and and where it's at, and we we just spoke a couple of weeks back about how seasons play out. You know that that Manchester City result goes the other way, Liverpool are eliminated at quarterfinals, and and suddenly the season gets a bit deflated, and and they may they may finish, you know, as 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 far back as as fourth. We we don't know. 
said suddenly the timing of a season, the timing of a really positive result, and those press conferences and the post game moments and all of the journalist questions become a lot more easier to and, and more important. And, and some of those the too. fans coming in. Yeah, yeah, and, and more importantly, th- those fans coming in through the turnstiles are actually leaving at the end of games thinking, you know what, F- finally, you know, for the first time in, in a long time, we're walking out here with our heads held high, our chest sticking out and thinking about uh, the possibilities um, and not just domestically. So, uh, and and again, you put it in the context of that other top six, um, that's a that's a really impressive position to be in. Um, given just just how just how kind of stuck in the rut a lot of those other clubs seem to be, uh, but as you said, I mean, interesting summer World Cup in terms of acquisitions and recruitment, um, and also, uh, you know, Klopp obviously seems very very confident that um, those those standout players will will remain uh, at Anfield, which I'm sure they will, given the fact that this season's been so positive for everyone involved. Um, but you don't know how it, how it plays out elsewhere. Um, you know, you don't know at Manchester City if they, if if somebody like company decides to step away, if, some, if they lose Aguero from the squad. Um, you know, again, we've talked about that before. Certain personalities you lose in the dressing room and that transition in itself um, may, may be problematic. Um, but I think definitely uh, kudos to City. They've been very impressive. Um, you know, and, and we talked about it on last week's podcast, the distance that they've... Um, you know, cantered to a Premier League title by uh, is absolutely astounding, really. Um, and when, when you put it in, in the historical context, um, you know, there's a reason why very, very few clubs have, have managed to achieve this down through the years. Um, and it's great. You know, Guardiola is, is a guy who I still, I'm not sure how he divides opinion, but but I'm sure there are some people out there who still raise their hands up and say, I don't really understand him. <laughs> um, but he's he's done it repeatedly now. And it's a, it's a, it's a science Everywhere he goes, it may you know, uh, it may be intimidating and in- intensive for a lot of people. But my God, has he got the results? Yeah. So that brings us into part one of the podcast. We'll be back with part two and looking at possibly the biggest collapse of the weekend: Southampton against Chelsea. You're listening to Soccer Report Extra. Keep up to speed with the podcast and get all the latest news, musings, and rants from Bobby and Owen by liking us on Facebook at Soccer Report Extra. Now, back to the show. The early Saturday morning game, Southampton-Chelsea. Southampton struggling to get out of the relegation zone. Chelsea, I think it's fair to say, are just generally struggling. I think uh, it's part of the results in 2018. Southampton, 2-0 up and looking pretty good value for the money. Complete and utter collapse. What the like? Does this team not want to stay in the Premier League? Well, this is a this is a really really interesting story, isn't it? And I think that this was just a, a perfect, possibly a perfect microcosm of 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 their campaign. Yeah. Um, where Southampton quite quite rightly have been praised in terms of how they do things and how the club is run, and going by their performances this season the players really really think that as well because there there is an element of of uh of of, of you know, we've we spoken particularly you've spoken about this before um the the too good to go down sort of mentality yeah. <laughs> um yeah. well we're great footballers you know we're going to figure this out it's just a matter of time and suddenly there're five there's five games left in the season and they're five points from safety 
which and they've conceded conceded twelve goals in the last four games. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's absolutely staggering how. I mean, obviously, again, we we talked about the importance of timing and 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 seasons and and a little bit of momentum and and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, in terms of the Liverpool storyline, in terms of the Southampton one. You know, the, you you make the decision to change the the coach because things aren't working, and the timing of that decision, and how you weigh that up in the boardroom, I think that's a really interesting thing. Um, um you know, in terms of the top brass and when they get together, it, it must be a very very difficult conversation to have. Um, you know, is it better the devil you know, and you think that you may accumulate enough points with this guy in charge to actually get you over the line come the end of the season? Or are you absolutely ripping up your scorecard and thinking, right, let's start again from scratch, presuming that a new man will will bring some degree of new life or a spark to proceedings that will then contribute to you getting over the line. And it's it's a really, really difficult situation to be in. And I'm not even sure if, if there's a right answer to it, to be honest. Well, I think the other th- part, and I think we've talked about this uh, a few times before as well, is, is if you're... You know the the owner, the board, um, the guy who who hires uh, the coach, the manager. I think there's another thing at play as well: is you're going to get less criticism by making a change than you are by not making a change. True. Yeah. Like if you stand pat and do nothing, you are going to get ripped far more than if you make that change. You're going to buy a little bit of time, and there's just going to be less second guessing in terms of that replacement now was Mark Hughes the right guy but that's but, but that in itself sort of sets up a pro or, or, or identifies one of the problems with switching managers is often who's available out there and who do you go to um, I think you've got to look at uh, Pellegrino being not a, not the greatest replacement like Puel had them in the League Cup uh, final yeah. last year had them not in a bad position, uh, was taking some criticism for the style of play, but you know they sold players again. Um, you know Van Dijk went for a mm-hmm. lot of money um, in in January. You go back in Southampton. I think the last win was the beginning of February, and that was against West Brom. So you you, you just wonder if it's a little bit like dominoes toppling over. Is you can sell players in the short term, and as I think it was Luke that dug up the stat yeah. uh, a few weeks ago. Southampton spent a lot of money replacing; they made a lot of money, but they've also spent that money as well. But you just get to the point where maybe that one domino begin, that one domino topples, and the rest go with it, and there is just no getting out of it. Perhaps you know a not dissimilar thing has happened with Swansea, who also find themselves struggling at the bottom of the league, and. Um, I wouldn't say it's the same situation with Stoke. Stoke, strangely enough, with Mark Hughes in charge, <laughs> I think got caught in the the dilemma of um, we're Stick a mid-table twist, team. Yeah, what do we have to do to to change this up to to try and make a a consistent break into the top eight or whatever? To some extent, going back a few years, it was kind of Bolton thing as well, and it's almost like as a team improves and then st- starts hitting that that verge of that top six, top seven, top eight, the whole dynamic changes and the the price of incremental change to try and break into that top six, top five becomes so enormous yeah. that it, the, it's a glass ceiling that can't be shattered. Yeah, I think that, that 
in 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 the case of Southampton, you know, there's the it's almost like a you know a the, the guy who decides to to do the triathlon and he signs up for the triathlon and and you know he's 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 midway through his swim and he's absolutely flying. He's midway through his swim and then suddenly the swim starts becoming a doggy paddle, and you know it, it's it, it, the 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 absolute amazing thing about the Southampton story is that it's lasted so long you know they have been the the envy of so many yeah. clubs they what was it, about 2012 they came up i think and and you think i mean you think of 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 the actual they've kind of got it from from both ends they they have produced a conveyor belt of underage talent um that they've brought into the club and then sold but they've also signed players really well yeah. Um, that they've brought into the club and then sold. So to Liverpool on, on in two, most cases, on, yeah, on, <laughs> yeah, on two on, in both cases, yeah. um, on on both fronts in terms of the strength that you're recruiting, you're being picked off. And simultaneously to that, even when you're um, giving a platform to good managers, the same thing is happening to you. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that it, there's only it comes a time when you know the 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 level of of uh, the, the the strength of the tide that you're swimming against just becomes absolutely overpowering and like that you're not going to replace a Van Dyke with a Van Dyke no. you're not going to replace um, you know um, uh, you know uh, Manny you know a, a, a Manny or, or whoever it is you know ultimately you're left with a Shane Long up front who can't score goals who's leading the line for you um, or you know you, you basically you know I'm not sure what their stats are in terms of their, their goals is it seven is their top scorer this season well, I do um, it would be very much which, more than that yeah I mean which which kind of says it all and, and now you're not that they ever had uh, a striker that was particularly um, you know successful in front of goal but I mean they, they did have other contributing elements in that team um, and it's 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 sad ultimately it, it's sad because you look at it and you think wow you've 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 actually been such a great model, um, and and in terms of a neutral, you're always kind of rooting for them. But there comes that time when, uh, like like the the Arsene Wenger thing, where um, you come in and you have an approach that other teams just pick up on, yeah. and whether or not they they whether or not it's 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 in Wenger's case, they they look at your coaching and what you've brought, and they take aspects of that. Or if it's a Southampton model where they just effectively have richer clubs and they buy your players and well, they buy your manager and they buy your you know all that sort of stuff and then you're you're really really left uh treading war effectively and i, I think you know you, you you make a good point there Owen, in terms of like, you know you look at foreign teams and you know the the ability for premier league because of their money because of their the size of the the, t, the tv deal to go out and pick off these players and go and essentially pick Pretty much, like 98% of the players in the world, if they wanted them, they could go and buy them if they could. You know, there's certainly some players that are out, uh, even out with the, the range of the Premier League, perhaps because of location, but, you know, probably not because of money. Mm. Um, so you've kind of got that going on. But Southampton, um, I would suggest, have become um, the the homegrown kind of foreign feeder team if you get what I mean they're they're yeah. in the Premier League so they're actually testing players and giving these uh, it's not like Celtic you know they're up north and you know part of Celtic's business plan is they know that and other teams in Scotland as well is they're given you know the chance to foreign players to be in the the shop window and maybe making it a little bit easier to move to England whether it be the Premier League or the Championship 
But Southampton are a real live kind of um, week to week example of it, and these players are just getting sold on. I'm, I'm hard pushed to think uh, in recent years of a team that sold so many players to rivals for so much money. No, I I can't. I mean, it, to be honest, it was to the point of 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 it being really funny. You know, we mentioned the Liverpool thing earlier. It got to the stage where it was it was a little bit ridiculous. And I mean, obviously, yeah, to a certain degree, you know, the club can allow themselves, you know, a pat on the back. Obviously, they're doing certain things right. But <laughs> it gets to the stage where, I mean, like this season, even if they were able to hold on to Van Dijk until the end of the campaign um, and that you didn't have, you know, like that, you, you come back to the way the world works, I guess. Uh, Van Dijk's head was turned by a bigger offer. And and suddenly, as soon as his head is turned, it's very very difficult for you to get the same player back, and so so therefore it's not it's not even like you have the same version of Van Dijk playing centre half for you anymore, um, and and ultimately then the club may feel it's actually just better to cash in now. But I mean, like those fine details, particularly when you're up against um, the the scrap against the drop, um, those those little details become really important, and you know it's like that. I mean even though they may not be scoring much at one end, particularly the, the presence of one player, um, you know, back at, at the heart of a defence, may go yeah. to, you know, a certain way of, of, of them surviving, you know, picking up a point, valuable point here or a valuable win here. Um, and when, you know, when you don't have that to rely on, you, I mean, you look at that Southampton team now and you look at five games left to save your season, where's the inspiration going to come from? And it's not necessarily an easy running either. They've got, of course, they've got the um, the FA Cup semi-finals coming up. Yeah, against Chelsea semi-finals against Chelsea still coming up, but they've got Leicester away um, on the nineteenth. Guess that's coming up this this Thursday, and then the Sunday's the, the FA Cup semi-final. Mm. They're home at Bournemouth, chance there. They're away at Everton. The way Everton's playing, you got to say they've got a chance of picking someone. Potentially, up yeah. Um, Swansea at ho- Swansea away. Looks like a massive, massive Huge. game. The way Swansea are sitting just now, a draw might just work out for them. And then last game of the season, they've got Manchester City at home. Wow. Oh. You're already like relying City. basically on four games there, you know. Yeah, you're looking at you're looking at City and thinking, my God, they're going to be relaxed and it's going to be party time for them. To try to 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 have to be in that situation of even going into. The final game, which you would have to say at this time, at this moment in time, that's probably going to be what it is. Yeah. Because even if they get a decent result, maybe against Swansea, that that sends them into a great position. Who knows? Another defeat yeah. against City on the final day, and it's you know it's it's uh, it's over the same. It's really you. I think Southampton are kind of in that position now, with five games to go, five points behind. You know, you're looking. Even if you pick up three wins there. Yeah, you know that means Swansea only have to pick up four points. You know, maybe it gets into goal difference, that kind of thing. And I don't you know, think Palace are sitting there at thirty-four, West Ham are sitting at thirty-four. Yeah, and I'm going by going go, go by that Chelsea game. You know, you talk about control, and and you talk about having that awareness, and as soon as that as Chelsea pulled one goal back, yeah, you just saw jitter, everybody. Jitter, jitter. Yeah, it they just shat themselves. Yeah, and I mean, when you're looking for a little bit of leadership, a little bit of authority, you know, a, a, you know, a couple of the, and again, it comes back to that, a couple of the senior members of that team kind of rallying. But you look around and you think, who's the most senior member of that Southampton squad? 
you know, in terms yeah. of, of in terms of the length of time they've had at the team in the team, it's probably, probably one of the younger guys. It's, probably you know, Ward Prowse. Someone like that who who may have been in the academy, and then you think, right, well, how many of those players are still there? Yeah. Um, you know, Ward Prowse is probably the name that instantly springs to mind, and, and maybe Luke will dig up a couple of other names in that squad in terms of level of experience. But and and again. That's that's what that's what you're up against, and yeah. it's uh, it's sad, it's it's unfortunate. But at this at this stage of the season, you really you really begin to fear the worst. So very quickly, Southampton, Stoke, West Brom are the bottom three at the moment. Do they stay the bottom three come uh, the end of the thirtieth game, or do you oh. think uh, somebody else could drop into trouble? It's a big well, win for Huddersfield on the weekend, wasn't it? That's it. And even you look further ahead. I mean, Swansea. Swansea played, yeah. I mean, West so West Brom played thirty four already. Um, even West Ham have have probably a couple of games in hand. I mean, you're looking at Swansea and Palace to just have an absolute mare. Um, it was a it was a big win for Palace as well. Huge win. Uh, and I, and again, there's a nice comparison, right? I mean, in terms of of the the personalities maybe within that Palace dressing room, and maybe a couple of more mature players. You've got someone like Hodgson who's there. Um, you know, Swansea obviously had their difficulties early in their campaign. Now there seems to be a little bit more of a of a positive steeliness in that team. Yeah, yeah. And and again, it comes back to time. It comes back to momentum. At the, at this moment in time, Southampton are really, really up against it. That brings us to the end of part two. We'll be back with part three to look at something's Italian. You're listening to Soccer Report Extra with Bobby McMahon and Owen O'Callaghan. Be sure to follow them both on Twitter. Links are in the show notes below. Now back to the show. And we're going to take a quick trip to Italy. And uh, three big games this past weekend. Um, Let's start with, very quickly, two teams that had very contrasting fortunes in in, uh, Europe this past week. Lazio going out to... The team that's flying under everybody's radar, Salzburg, or sometimes known as Red Bull Salzburg, when they're allowed to be named as such, in uh, Europa League, and Roma putting out Barcelona, three uh, nothing win, putting them out in away goals. It was the Rome derby, and um, you took it in, not live, live, but certainly on television or on streaming. What was your What was your thoughts on the game? Yeah, it was. It was okay. It was it was fine. Uh, I was a little bit underwhelmed by Lazio, and I was intrigued. Mobley never scored for a change. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a strange one, um, and I thought that Roma. I mean, obviously, it was it was probably a difficult set of circumstances for 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 both teams, given their their contrasting midweek ex uh, you know uh, exhaustive sort of. Um, Situations, but um, particularly at Roma, I think that that they obviously just had too much of a party, um, and and they were they looked a bit jaded and a little bit un, uh, uninspired. Um, but uh, the the one player that always kind of catches my eye in terms of a Roma context is uh, Nangolan in in, in centre midfield. Yeah, and um, he's a tiger, isn't he? He just and you know he was he actually created the best chance of the, of the first of the first half. Um, slipped a really really great pass through for Bruno Perez and um, he, he, it was a, you know he really had to score and he sent it across goal and it it, it, it struck the butt of the post and bounced out and um, 
it, it was just a you know I, I think neither team had created much in that in that opening 45 um, but it was just one of those decisive sort of moments that, that Roma just just couldn't take and and then uh, later on um, very very late on in, in, in injury time Dzeko, um had three chances in quick succession one of them kept crashed off the crossbar he had a header that came back off the woodwork I think it was three chances in the space of a minute um, the first shot was saved and then it came back to him from the cross and he smacked the woodwork and then he picked up uh, a pass he was probably about 25 yards out and cracked the shot from distance it just went wide and um, so it was uh, it finished scoreless um, both of them are still level on points joint third in, in, in the table um, but uh, yeah I just was I was intrigued to just catch more of a glimpse of Roma domestically to see what they were about but probably timing was a little bit unfortunate they um, you know given the week they've had um, they, they may not just have been uh, on you know firing all cylinders um, but uh, Nangolan was definitely that standout personality on a pitch um, you know not to say that, that he played a perfect game or anything like that but in in terms of of an eye-catching player uh, one of the few I think for Roma to be honest I'm not there, there's there's not really a, a great degree of individual talent and it's, it's definitely a you know, some of some of the parts more so than 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 anything that's that's strikingly individual. But uh, just in terms of that Liverpool fixture, uh, that's that's coming up quickly. Um, nothing too much for Liverpool to fear. But um, yes, it was a little bit. Not going to say it's a subdued derby, um, but uh, you know there was a red card. Uh, Radu um, was sent off for I think it was for a second yellow. So not for um, the first time. No, there you go. Um, so yeah, all in all, it, so, was, so, it was it was it was it was fine. I guess it was a fine yeah. derby. So, okay, so, so I've got a question for you: true or false? Oh, out the top te- top ten teams in Syria are this weekend. Only one of them scored a goal. True or false? From the top ten teams. Yeah. Uh, I'll put you out your misery. It's true. Juventus no were the only team in the top ten in Syria to score a goal this weekend. This is a throwback, isn't it? This is a throwback to the dour yeah. Italian football. If you go through them, Natalie, and Napoli, Natalie, Napoli, nothing, nothing. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, go and check out uh, Donnarumma's save oh, wow. yeah. uh, off Milik in the last minute. Absolutely, you can see why everybody wants to sign this kid. And also, just, just on, on that as well, hundredth game for Milan. On that yes. save, he's already moving. He's already moving before the shot is taken. Like he's got the, he's got the intuition. Um, that it was very Buffon-like, I thought. Oh, it was... Uh, we could talk at length about this Without kid. the afters. Without <laughs> <laughs> He's got a garbage can for a heart. What does that even yeah, mean? That's a little but, bit weird. Okay. <laughs> but Roma-Lazio, obviously talked about that. Inter, nothing, nothing draw. Milan, talked about that. Napoli, nothing, nothing draw. Fiorentina, guess what? Nothing, nothing draw. Atlanta? Inter, nothing, nothing draw. Sampdoria, got beat 3 nothing from Juventus. Torino... Can you guess? Nothing, nothing well. draw. So actually, when you go through it, out the top ten teams, um, there was only one of them actually lost. And that was Sampdoria. And that was to Juventus. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? That's insane stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's a great statistic. Yeah, it was incredible. So um, Juventus, now, six points up. Um, six games to go. They've got Inter... They've got a game, I think, Wednesday. Um... And then they play Inter 
I know, sorry, they play Napoli this weekend and then follow it with Inter uh, the weekend after. And although it, if they beat Napoli on the weekend, it won't make it uh, theoretically, you know, they could still get caught. But that would that would increase the lead to nine points. But even at six points, Napoli just have to win next weekend or it's gone for another year. I've got to feel. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 it's weird. You you think of of mindsets and and uh, you know how fragile it can be at, on occasion. You you would have to. I mean, I I think you know Sari is probably looking at the Napoli dressing room right now and thinking, have they already lost it? Um, I go know, back to I, I go know. back to that Roma result. Remember we talked about it on the podcast when Roma went yeah. in Napoli and beat them four one. I think that was an absolute. I think that was the turning point. Yeah. in Syria uh, this season I really do yeah. but you even think of, of something as simple as as uh, as this weekend you know it, it, this is really the, the time of that season where where you need to drag results out from somewhere I mean it, yeah. it, it comes back to that 90 second winner or 90 second minute winner or whatever it is somebody you know you force an own goal well, or it comes off yeah. someone's arse and rolls in the corner and you, you, you get over the line and you come back the following week and there's a little bit of a lift in the camp and uh, here it is you know, you just mentioned the teams all around the top half struggling to get it done, except Juventus. Yeah, and you look at you look to, to pick up on your point there, Owen. I think it's a good one. Is 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 Milk Milk? If he scores that goal and Donnarumma doesn't save it, Napoli suddenly nine second minute or whatever it is get the three points instead of the one. Even then, it puts a little bit more pressure on Juventus going out to play Sampdori at that time. Yeah. So, Juventus know Napoli have, have not won that game and then suddenly you know it, it, it changes the complete dynamic I think uh, and they're playing with a lot less pressure on themselves and away they go 3 nothing win and uh, they're off to the races again yeah I mean I even think of, you know it's it's suddenly now in terms of uh, the Napoli thing you, you talk about control and you talk about you know how much how much how much of it you have every time you step out on the pitch you, you go out midweek for Napoli to take on Udinese and now it, I mean is it, is it really the proper is it really proper Napoli going out there or is it a version of themselves because it's uh, can they yeah. still play with the, the same freedom and, and the fluidity like that we talked about it with Guardiola earlier on obviously that's the it's it's what the coach wants it's for you to really um, embrace your identity and keep to the plan but it's very very difficult when you know um, you know Donnarumma's save Late on, you'd spoil things. You know, you're forcing it, and you look around you, and Juventus are consummate professionals. You know, they they seem to always have you just at the right amount of 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 of, uh, of distance. Uh, they seem to be, they seem to have the control. And and again, it, it just you know, it comes back to that mindset thing, and and it comes back obviously to to Napoli's history, a recent history of of always being the bridesmaids, and um, you suddenly, uh, you know, a game midweek against Udinese. That becomes like a cup final now, um, just and again, it's it's just just to keep them in the race, just to keep things ticking over, and all of those games take on such a massive degree of importance. Yeah, that brings us to end of part three. We'll be back with part four. Colin, producer Luke Crawford, the voice of truth. We'll be back in a couple of seconds. You're listening to Soccer Report Extra. Keep up to speed with the podcast and get all the latest news, musings and rants from Bobby and Owen by liking us on Facebook at Soccer Report Extra. 
Now back to the show. Welcome back to the wrap-up of uh, Soccer Report Extra Podcast. This is where we call in producer Luke Crawford, who has been diligently researching everything we've told you to make sure it's actually correct, which is a kind of nice part of the show, isn't it? So you actually walk away knowing... That we're not a bunch of liars. It's actually true. <laughs> what you got for us this week, Luke? Well, we were speculating, or well, I say we, the royal we. Uh, Bobby, you were speculating that uh, West Brom could have been um, theoretically relegated with a loss... Uh, at the weekend, so technically no, but uh, but it was yeah, pretty. It would have been difference. a goal difference, yeah, yeah because uh, Swansea was uh, 33 yeah. points after 33 games, negative 19 goal difference. Uh, West Brom with a loss would have been uh, uh, minus 26 goal difference at least, if if they had lost to United. Um, yeah, and Crystal Palace they're sitting at uh, 34 points on 34 games played. Uh, West Brom caretaker manager Darren Moore, uh, yes, well traveled. Uh, consummate pro started out ninety two to ninety five at Torquay, ninety five to ninety seven Doncaster, ninety seven to ninety nine Bradford City, ninety nine to two thousand one Portsmouth, oh one to oh six West Brom with one hundred and four appearances and six goals there. Oh uh, six to oh eight Derby, oh eight to ten Barnsley, ten to twelve Burton Albion, <laughs> and even made two appearances for the Jamaican national team from ninety nine to two thousand. He has been doing the circuit, hasn't he? Good old Daz. Yeah. Then we were talking about some Premier League stats and what what kind of records could Manchester City claim with a successful end to their campaign this season. The most wins in a season was by Chelsea in the 2016-17 season. They won 30 games. Uh, City has got 28 wins with five to play. Uh, Chelsea also had the most points in a season. Uh, they had 95 points in 2004 and five. Manchester City is at 87 points with five games to play. Most goals scored was 103 in a season for Chelsea, 2009 and 10. Uh, Manchester City is currently at 93 goals with five games to play. And the best goal difference was a plus 71 achieved by Chelsea 2009-2010. Manchester City is currently at a plus 68 goal difference with five games to play. So all of those are achievable with uh, with five games to go. Not looking good for Chelsea in the uh, record standings, no, is it? Not. No, it'll be a considerable rewrite to the record book by the end of uh, <laughs> May. Yeah, somebody will be in there editing yeah. wiki very quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, then we're talking about uh, Southampton. Bob, you're correct. They did return to the Premier League in the 2012-13 season. Uh, bonus points for who was the manager at the time? Uh, Nigel, Nigel Atkins. Atkins. There you go. Yeah, and <laughs> swiftly... I'll take <laughs> Nigel Atkins <laughs> for 10. <laughs> <laughs> and then replaced subsequently by Maurizio Pochettino uh, that season. Yeah, that one kind uh, of turned out. I was very negative to that change, but I think it, yeah. you could say it turned out quite well. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably a bit of an understatement. <laughs> Southampton as a feeder club for the Premier League is kind of one of their ongoing themes. And uh, so, yeah, as far as who the longest-serving uh, saint is, I think it would probably be Ward Prowse. Started out as a youth 2003 to 2011 and made a senior debut in 2011. Uh, another is uh, Sam McQueen, who was also a youth with Southampton from 2003 to 2014. And then I think the longest-serving... Uh, foreign player is uh, Desan Tadic from 2014, but wow. I could be wrong there. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember when Tadic came from. I think he came from the Dutch league, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he, came, he yeah, was he signed in the same window as uh, Pella. The two arrived at the same time. Yeah, I think he was. And Tadic just—he's one of these players, and maybe we can get into this. Maybe uh, 
uh, post-World Cup when we've got maybe a quieter week, but I just find him so infuriating because he's obviously got so much talent, mm. but he's so inconsistent. Yeah. And he, at times he is so lazy. Yeah. Just drives me nuts. He had an impressive record uh, playing in Holland where he, he played for uh, Groningen from 2010 to 12, made 72 appearances, 14 goals, but a, a two-year stint with Twente from 2012 to 2014, 70 appearances, 29 goals. Yeah. So The, the curse of the being good in the Eredivisie and not very good in the Premier yeah. League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it happens. His Southampton stats, uh, 129 appearances, 18 goals. Drops off considerably, doesn't it? The last stat I have here, just that Napoli could have had 80 points with a win, and if the Juve game had not completed at that point, Juve was only on 81, so you could, yes, Bobby, I guess you could say that uh, had had Napoli been able to uh, achieve a win uh, at Milan, that they could have put the uh, screws to Juve, but... uh, but not that much not, yeah exactly <laughs> the story of that bloody club <laughs> close but never close enough uh, well that brings us to the end of this week's report extra podcast we will be back next week and we hope you can find time to join us thank you very much for someone who's so keen to snuggle you Thanks for listening to Soccer Report Extra. To keep tabs on the podcast and get all the latest news, musings, and rants from Bobby and Owen, like us on Facebook at Soccer Report Extra. Music for this podcast graciously provided by Manitoba's hottest indie pop group, Misery Slims. Check them out on Spotify and YouTube and follow the band on Facebook at Misery Slims. Misery Slims.